Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Hey, y'all give it up for these guys one more time, please. It's a powerful song. Of course, I know some of y'all have heard that song in a different light, but uh, Pap, I call Pap my father-in-law, Gary, he rewrote the words of that and done a great job with it. Amen. That sums it up without a doubt. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Uh, what are you driving? That's going to be the title of the sermon today, and I'm not actually talking about your vehicle. But we'll get into that in just a second. But while you're, while you're turning to Acts chapter 5, we're just going to read 12, 13, and 14, and we're going to see what the Lord wants to do this morning. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I'll just tell you, man, as, as we reflect back on this year uh, and we see the adversity uh, that came uh, not just towards individuals, uh, but a, a, as a nation, as a community, as a church, as a whole, uh, I, I, I tend uh, to look at that uh, and then instead of looking at and giving the uh, adversary uh, any kind of credit, I look for the victories that we had in this year right here, uh, that, that our God had a great opportunity uh, to exalt his son in the middle of chaos, yet Jesus is still on the throne. Who knows that today? Amen. If you're not aware of that, let me tell you what CNN's not telling you, okay? Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So what we're going to talk about today is what are you driving? We're going to start in Acts chapter 5. And y'all stick with me today, and I promise you this is going to make sense to you. Uh, we're going to start at verse 12, Acts chapter 5. And it says, Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them. But the people esteemed them highly, verse 14. And it says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come before you and I thank you that you're a good God. And I thank you that the same Holy Spirit uh, was with these apostles in the beginning of the church age is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us today, Father God. Uh, so I just ask you to have your way uh, in this church service, Lord, as, as we celebrate uh, this Christmas holiday, Father God. Let it be to exalt you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we understand that family and, 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 and Christmas uh, uh, presents with, with children, and, and there's a place for that. And I thank you for the children, and I thank you for the loved ones and the gatherings uh, that we'll be having. But most of all, Lord, let me thank you uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, to this morning, Father God. As we exalt him, we give this service to you, and we thank you for allowing us to be here in the midst of your presence. And we do it in the strong name of Jesus. And the church says, amen. Excuse me for just a second. So I'm going to give you some background like I usually do. Like I said, my throat's a little scratchy, so y'all have to forgive me. But this is the beginning of the church age. When it says uh, that multitudes of people were added to the church uh, and there were many signs, miracles, and wonders being performed at the time, uh, this was the beginning of the church age. Amen? 
Does everyone understand that? The book of Acts, uh, uh, that word right there is the action of the apostles. Uh, that's where Jesus left. He ascended. He put the Holy Ghost in them. And then the church age beginning began to build. We all understand that, right? Jesus has definitely ascended at this point. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Uh, he sent the Holy Spirits. The disciples have been filled with the fire of God. In other words, they have been filled uh, with the direction uh, that Jesus wanted the church to go in. And people everywhere around them were beginning to be saved, baptized in water, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. If you're seeking anything other than salvations, water baptisms, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, you're seeking something that's not of God. Amen? If you're coming to church for any other reason, like this candy that the whites made, that's going to be some good stuff. Can y'all agree with me on that? And, and, and these shirts that John Willis just promoted, that's, that, that's going to be cool to wear that shirt around and people ask us what it's about. At the end of the day, if you're not seeking more of the Spirit of God, you're seeking the wrong thing. Amen. And I thank God that we have a church in here, uh, a congregation in here that believes in signs, miracles, and wonders. Amen. I, I thank God today that we have a church body uh, and those that are watching now uh, that that although the chaos is going on in a lost world, we still believe that Jesus is on the throne. Hallelujah. Do you know nowhere in salvation is it promised that everything's going to be peachy? Right? Just give your life to God and everything's going to be fine. The Bible that I read that Jesus told the disciples, he says, as soon as you give your life to me, you're going to face some adversaries. Anyone faced any adversary this year? Right? He says, as a matter of fact, that cross that you're going to carry for my name's sake, it's going to get awful heavy. It's not made out of styrofoam, right? It's made out of the burdens and, uh, and, and the hurts and the sleepless nights of worried about other things uh, that, that, that God has laid on your heart to pray for or fast for or whatever that may be. There's nothing pleasant all the time about being a Christian. Amen? I love the mountaintops. Who don't love the mountaintops, Right? And we get an opportunity to celebrate a lot of things, but it's in those valleys where things begin to grow, right? Have you ever noticed on a mountaintop, I'm not going to stand on this. That would be a horrible idea. I almost did, but I'm not. On the, that would be a horrible idea, Jeff, for me to be on this, I guarantee you. So on the mountaintop, if you notice, there's not a whole lot of growth, Right? There's just this solid rock, and praise God for it. But but when you're down in the valleys, if you ever looked from the valley up to the mountaintop, you see you see rivers of, of water flowing, right? Uh, and you see things that are beginning to sprout, and you see you see foliage and and vegetation, and it's starting to grow. And then we put our minds back to where the Lord talks about our fruit. Woo! Come on, somebody. See, it's in the valley where the fruit's going to blossom, amen, not on the mountaintop. So if you're wondering why God uh, is not leaving you on the mountaintop so long, it's because he's wanting to see your fruit grow some more, amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have a choice, church, on what to do. Has anyone in here ever bought a car since we're talking about what are you driving? Has anyone ever had the privilege of going to a car lot and buying and purchasing a car. There's a lot of decisions. Like, you're praying harder then than you've ever prayed, right? Like, Lord, just guide me. I don't want that one salesman. Lord, just tell him not to call me no more, right? What color do I get? Do I get an SUV? 
Should I get a four-door or two-door, four-wheel drive? Who's going to get a four-wheel drive? Raise your hand. Amen. Do I get a two-wheel drive? No two-wheel drives. Okay, here's one. Ford or Chevy, right? Toyota. <laughs> so you got all these decisions, and it seems like everyone around you, including the salesman, but your family and your friends and your coworkers, you're coming to this decision, uh, this pinnacle, this peak of purchasing this car, but everyone has a reason why you should purchase the car they tell you to purchase. Right? If I was you, I'll tell you what, I've had no trouble out of that Chevrolet. <laughs> I'm a Ford man, always been a Ford man. My granddaddy was a Ford man. You should buy a Ford. And then you got the one person that's like, Toyotas get 40 miles per gallon. <laughs> it's hard to argue that. What I'm getting at is this. In decisions like that, and we're talking about what are you driving, it seems like there's a lot of outside interference that people have their own agenda connected to what you should be doing. Let me say that again. A lot of the influence that we have around us is to convey their own agenda on what they think you should be doing. Amen? Let's see what the Lord says about that. Can we do that? Turn your Bible with me over to Joshua chapter 24. Amen? So we're going to see what Joshua says about it. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him. That means to fear the Lord and serve the Lord, right? But do it in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Next verse. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then just choose yourself this day who you will serve. Amen? Me and the major back there was talking earlier, and I'll tell you something. The great thing about being an American, being a Christian, is you can choose to believe whatever you want to believe. Do you know that? You have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. You, you can believe in, in, in predestination. You, you can believe in, 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 in pre-rapture. You can believe in post-rapture. You have a right to believe. In, you can believe that it's okay to live the life that some people live and think they're okay and there's some people that will co-sign that to let you know it's okay but at the end of the day if your belief system doesn't line up with the word of God then it's just a belief right there's one truth his name's Jesus right amen and the Lord said but whether the gods of your fathers you served on the other side of the river uh, and the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. In other words, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, 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 and here's the deal on that. And sometimes that don't feel right all the way, all the time. That's all right. Sometimes that don't feel right all the time. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It don't have to feel right as long as it lines up with the Word of God. We have a choice. You see, there's too many people in the world today that have their opinion on what the church needs to look like. There's so many people out there in the world and it's flashing in the media all the time and you read it uh, in the newspapers on how you're supposed to live your life according to their principles. According to their agenda, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's a lie. Amen? Choose this day 
what you're going to drive. Amen. Y'all go with me back to Acts now. I love the book of Acts. Y'all hadn't figured that out. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Watch this right here. We're going to talk about riding in the same car. Amen. Acts 1, verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, talking about Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Amen? It goes on to say, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. He told his disciples a precise plan. He said to wait. Is that easy for you to do? When the Lord tells you just to wait, Lord, I need an answer on this. Just wait. Amen? He told you to wait. Nowhere in that statement that Jesus made to the disciples in the upper room to wait on the promise of the Father, is there any room for our own agenda? We serve a non-negotiable God. If Jesus said to wait on the promise, then he meant for the disciples to do just that. Now, do you think from the time that they got that information to wait on the promise at the Mount of Olives, then they seen Jesus ascend to heaven from that point to the upper room when they actually received the promise? Do you think any of those guys scratched their heads and said, man, what are we going to do? Let's get real now. When I read the Bible, I'm not holier than thou. I, I, it kind of plays like a movie in my mind. Uh, Pastor Tim always says like a viewfinder. Click. You remember? Some of y'all old enough to remember viewfinders. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. But think about it. From the time they yeah, Harley don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> So from the time Jesus ascended and told them to wait on the promise of the Father, picture it in your mind if you can. They went from the Mount of Olives to the upper room, which was about a day's journey is what the Bible says. And do you think Jesus just left and told them to wait on the way over there? Can you see Bartholomew looking at Andrew going, my God, what are we going to do? And then maybe, maybe John or Peter said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And then someone stepped up and said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wait That's what we're going to do. Because the Lord has spoken, and that's what we're going to do is wait. There's some things that some people in here has heard from God, and he told you to wait on, but you're wanting to give up because it hadn't come to pass yet. Another year went by, and that promise that he promised you on that altar or beside that hospital bed or wherever it was that time that he promised you in your heart, you knew that God was going to come through because it hasn't manifested yet. You're ready to give up. And Jesus is saying, wait just a little longer. Wait just a little longer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The disciples, they stayed the course. They waited in the upper room. Amen? They wasn't dismayed by time. They wasn't dismayed uh, by geographical position or the lack of Jesus not being with them physically. They stood on the word of what the Messiah had told them, and they waited. Amen? They wasn't detoured by outside interference. Come on, these people were hiding for their life in one instance. In the next instance... The Messiah had been with him for three and a half years and now he was gone. 
Can you imagine? Think about it. It's not just words on a piece of paper. This truly, really happened. Amen. Praise God. They didn't, they didn't call an emergency board meeting and say, we need to talk about what, what's, what's going to happen in the next year. We, well, we need to talk about, well, they didn't get a, an advisory board together and say, well, what should we do? No, they waited on the promise of the Father is what they did. Let's see what happens. Acts 12, watch this, or Acts 1, uh, verse 12. It says, then when they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, which is near Jerusalem, which is a Sabbath day's journey, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Now watch, there was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. What they do? They got in one accord. What are you driving? Now you're getting it, ain't you? They got in one accord. Y'all getting it. Some of y'all are getting it. They got in one accord. They said, we need to pray. We need to pray. Jesus said to wait, so we're going to wait, but until then, I'm going to pray. If the church of the living God of Jesus Christ would get into one accord and start praying, I believe we could call heaven down in the name of Jesus Christ. I firmly believe that. Because we have our own agenda and we're too busy and, and life is happening and I understand that. But if we could just in one accord, we have touched heaven in this church when we became a praying church. And I feel firmly if we'll continue to pray in one accord, then God will move mountains for us in our personal lives, in our professional lives, our spiritual lives, and in this church building. Amen. It's got to be one accord. It's got to be one accord. That's why I emphasize all the time for y'all to please pray for Lana and I. And I say, you know, catch my heart and thank God that y'all have. Because we've got to be in one accord. If We're going to look through the book of Acts right here a little bit, and we're going to see how God moved. And it was always, it was never through division or strife. It was through one accord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus always gave specific instructions. Y'all understand that, right? There was, no, there was no gray area in wait on the promise, correct? Like, wait on the promise of the Father. There's no gray area in that. Let's look at Jesus' final instructions as a whole. Go to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And let me and uh, that you can't just cherry pick a verse out uh, and, and, and make a doctrine out of it. You, you actually have to see a reoccurring theme in order to make an indoctrination about that, that that can become a belief system in your life. But Jesus said uh, in Matthew 28, uh, at the end, his final instruction, as Matthew saw it, he says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All right. All means all. Matthew 28, 18. He says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And lo and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was a final instruction that Jesus gave. Go! Nowhere in there does it say set. He says go. So whatever agenda you have working on in your life as far as your spiritual walk with Jesus, it has to have the word go in it. That was the final instruction. Let's look at Mark's final instruction. Mark 16, 15, and Jesus said to them, go. Go into all the world and preach. Preach the gospel to every creature. For all of us hunters that are in the room today, when you're sitting in your deer stand and there's not a lot going on, that chipmunk that keeps on aggravating you or that squirrel, start preaching to him because he says, go and preach to every creature in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 That's a, that's a coke taker offer right there. You like that? Coat taker off? He says to go. Go to Luke. See what Luke's final instruction was, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there's a doctrine built in the side of this right here. Yeah, Luke chapter 24. We can't cherry pick to suit our lifestyle. Woo! Luke 24. These are the final instructions according to Luke that Jesus gave. We're going to look at 24, 44 through 47. Y'all ready? It says, when he rose up from prayer, talking about Jesus, and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? But rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Verse 47 says, and while he was speaking, behold, a multitude. Is that the right thing I'm reading? Absolutely not. Go to the next page. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, Luke 24, 44 through 47. And then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms that was concerning me. That's a capital M. Is it a capital M up there? That was concerning me. He's talking about Jesus. Then Jesus said, uh, uh, These are the words which I, I just read that. Never mind. He opened their he opened their minds to the understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures in which he had said. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. That's what he told them. Seeing a reoccurring act here, church. He said, go and preach. And then he told Luke, don't, even, don't just go and preach, but we'll preach repentance and the remission of sins through the blood that I shed for you in Jesus' name. Are we telling people about Jesus? Glory to God. John chapter 21, and I'm going to hush about this right here because I think I've made my point on how, how the last instructions of Jesus Christ is significant on what we need to be doing about going and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have a ministry, amen? Do you have a job? Do you have a community? Do you have loved ones? Do you have a dinner table? Because that's where your ministry's at. It's right in front of you. In Jesus' name, it's not always behind a pulpit. Anytime you want the mic, I'll hand you the mic, I promise. But you have a ministry. It's on that conveyor line. 
Hallelujah. It's at your kitchen table with your kids. It won't be long. Those kids will be going to college. Amen. Amen. Jesus does answer prayers, don't he? I hear it all the time. It just seems like yesterday they were in diapers and now they're in college. That time between diapers and college, did you minister to your children? You're the strongest influence in their life. Did you minister to them over a bowl of oatmeal? Jesus says, go and preach. That don't necessarily mean we have to go to Kenya. It might be just to your kitchen table. How about that? We have an opportunity to preach every day. And it was Spurgeon who said, wherever you go, you tell people about Jesus. And when necessary, open your mouth. Hallelujah. My children are probably growing up wondering whether he was a good Pentecost preacher or he was a wrestler in the past life. I don't know. But I'm influenced on their life. I promise you, I'm not going to expect you to raise my children. I'm going to raise my children. Amen. I'm going to be the one that gives them the influence. Me and my wife will be the ones that tell them all they need to know about Jesus or not enough. Either way, choose this day. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at John. The final instructions that Jesus gave uh, with John. It says, this he spoke signifying what death would be, uh, would glorify God. And then he spoke in and he said to them, follow me. Amen. Jesus just said, follow me. What does that look like? Of course, Peter, being full of pride here, turned around. He saw the disciple who Jesus loved following him. And, and that's talking about John right there. Uh, who also had leaned on the breast at the supper table and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about John? What about this man? What did Jesus say? If it's up to me, he can stay alive till I come back. That's strictly up to me. Meanwhile, follow me. See, Peter had a different agenda. Do you understand that? That's what I was talking about earlier. But Jesus reiterated the point twice. He said, it don't matter what I do with John. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Amen. Don't worry about what the Joneses are doing. Don't worry about what the big attractive churches are doing. Follow me is what Jesus said to do. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Bartholomew, Andrew, James, Judas. Not the Judas that betrayed him, but Judas, the son of Zebediah, right? Out of obedience on waiting for the promise. Out of obedience to listen to the last instruction of Jesus. It said, go and preach and follow me. Go preach the blood for remission of sin and repentance. Out of obedience on waiting on the Holy Spirit to give them the dunamis power in order to be able to do that effectively. Let's see what happens if this is a good concept to follow. Acts chapter 2. Remember we're talking about the beginning of the church age that's still in existence. Do you know that Acts is the only book in the Bible that doesn't have a formal ending? 
Well, why is that, preacher? I'll tell you why, because it's still being written. Come on, somebody. The acts of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's still being written. The church is still being built. If we will just go in the name of Jesus. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. Now they have waited. They've heeded the instruction of Jesus' last instructions before he ascended into heaven. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Ooh, there's a theme right here. They were all in one accord in one place. And I love these suddenly moments in life. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were setting and there appeared to them on as uh, was uh, divided tongues of uh, fire and one set upon each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance how did it happen they got in one place in one accord and heaven invaded earth in Jesus' name, everyone wants to put the emphasis on speaking in tongues. I'm not putting the emphasis on speaking in tongues right there. I'm putting the emphasis on the church needs to be in one accord. And you'll speak in tongues. That's the byproduct. Amen. I promise you, we get in one accord and you'll start saying things you've never said before in your life when you see cancer fall off of someone beside you. Glory to God. And when you see someone that was dead and now they're not dead, amen. You see people that's been strung out in addiction for so long, you thought there was no hope. But because you got in one accord, church, you see them now behind a pulpit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will speak in tongues, amen. Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. But you said, Pastor, you said that we couldn't make a doctrine out of just one verse. So let's go into the next book in Acts. Amen? The next chapter we'll go to is chapter 4. And we'll see if we can find a pattern about being in one accord. Amen? Chapter 4 of Acts. We're building the church here, church. You, you with me? All right, Acts chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 23. And being let go. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard, they raised their voice to God with one accord. That means they were praying. After they was being persecuted, they decided to start praying. See, in today's age, we get persecuted, we start planning. We want revenge. They got persecuted. They started praying. And it says, uh, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. They were being persecuted, heads being cut off, being stoned to death. And what they say, God, you're still God. See, we can't change what's right about God because what's wrong with other people around us. Some of y'all need to hear that. We can't change what's right about God. Because of what's wrong with other people. Sinners are going to act like sinners. Amen. The lost are going the world's going to act like the world. That don't change the fact that God's still on the throne. It says they got in one accord right here. And they started praising in the storm. Can you believe that? Wonder what that sounded like in one accord. Lord, you are God. Well, I just done that then. That wasn't that great, but. I tried. Can we praise God in the storm? 
We want to, we want to, who said yeah? Amen, brother. Amen, the faith of a child. Instead, we want to hit our knees and say, why? I'm guilty. I'm preaching my conviction, Lord. Why do I got to go through this again? Why won't my family act right? Why won't people come to church? <laughs> but you're still God. You created it all. Can we praise him in the storm, church? That's what they did in one accord. In one accord. Let's look at another one. Let's go to Acts 4.31. And when they just dropped down a few verses. And when they had prayed uh, the place where they were, and they were assembled together, amen, and that place where they were at was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Someone get that phone. <laughs> and when they had prayed, they were all assembled together, and the place was shaken. And they began to speak the word with boldness. They were in one accord once again. They were in one accord once again. Turn over to one chapter, and we're going to wrap it up. Acts 5. 12 through 14. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all what? In one accord. Verse 14 right there says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes. How much is a multitude? Has anyone got a number on that? Whitney, you're a teacher. How much is a multitude? Bunches. Huh? A lot. So they got in one accord, and signs, miracles, and wonders were being performed because they were in one accord, filled with the fire of God. And it says they wasn't all speaking in tongues. They wasn't all slain in the Spirit. It says multitudes of people came to the Lord. I want to see multitudes of people come to the Lord. I don't know about y'all. But whatever your New Year's resolution is, please put that in there. That multitudes of people will come to the Lord through your witness. Because he said to go in the name of Jesus. You have an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister. Someone that needs the Lord. I pray that conviction falls on you until you tell them about Jesus. Amen. Man, the church exploded during this time. You guys want to come up, Jeff? The church exploded because they got in one accord. Now, the title of this is What Are You Driving, right? And I talked to you all about vehicles, and we've all heard the little joke, what, what did the disciples drive? It was a Honda because they were in one accord, right? And, and we, that's a cheesy little joke that you hear in, 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 at Camp Jackson. That's where I heard it anyway. But there's a doctrine built through the instruction, the final instructions that Jesus gave them was to preach the gospel for the remission of sins. Go and follow me. And then he said, wait, wait on the Holy Spirit, right? Y'all listen to me. Focus up right here. How did it happen? They got in one accord. They got the same heartbeat. Do you have the heartbeat of God? Children, listen to me. Do you even have the heartbeat of your mom and dad? Congregation, listen to me. Are you praying for the heartbeat of the pastors? Come on now. 
One accord in the name of Jesus. We need to be in one accord. And there will be multitudes of people according to the word of God that will come to know Jesus. Can we pray a prayer that says, Lord, let my agenda be crucified and let your will be done in my life. Can we do that? Can we pray that prayer? Although it don't feel right, it don't look right, it might take a little bit of my time, my energy and my effort. Can I just catch the heartbeat of God? Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Samuel. I'm going to turn these guys loose. 1 Samuel, King Saul's been anointed king. And there was some instruction in there that people didn't like. But the prophet Samuel spoke. And it reigns true for today as well. Do you know that y'all are children of God? My son, wherever he's at, he thinks I hung the moon, man. He wants to catch the heartbeat of his father. The Dukes of the Hazards, what he wanted to watch last night, I promise. The Dukes of the Hazard. He wanted to see that orange car that you watched when you was a kid, Daddy. He's catching the heart of his father, just like my daughter's catching the heart of her mother. We are royalty. I don't care what the enemy's been telling you. There's someone watching, someone in here needs to hear it. You are more than the decisions that you've made in life. That's just a decision that you made. You made a poor choice. Don't let it define who you are. You are royalty. In Jesus' name, know who you are. You're the son of the most and the daughter of the most high God. 1 Samuel. Saul had just been anointed king. And the prophet Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. Whoa. It says that Samuel put that behavior lesson on how royalty should act in a book. And he laid it before the Lord. And they got in one accord. This nation called royalty you and me we got in one accord and look and see what it says happens he says he laid it up before the Lord this book on how uh, royalty should behave and Samuel sent all the people away every man to his house now watch and Saul who had been anointed king the first king of Israel he also went home too but watch this valiant men went with the king because their hearts have been touched by God. They got in one accord. Get this out of here, please. They got in one accord. They read the book. Their heart was touched by God, and they followed the king. You know how miracles happen? Signs and wonders happen? You know how deliverance happens when a mother never gives up for praying for her children. When we get a church in one accord, 
And we ain't going to let no devil in hell try to steal it from us because we're praying people in the name of Jesus. I just want to know your heartbeat, God. If that's you today, I want you to come to the altar. You know I'm not the guy who mugs you up here or robs you or, or beats you before you get here. Come talk to the Lord. I'm not going to prompt you or prod you or beg you, but I'm saying, Lord, do I have your heartbeat? And if not, will you show it to me? Can you convict me that I may be able to read more of your word so I can follow the king this next year? In Jesus' name, come. Amen.
saying, God, I've waited a long time for this. He's saying, just hang on a little longer. Do we have the heartbeat of God inside of us? Or do we have our own agenda? I'm let them play another line or two of this and we'll close. But if that's you, this altar's open. Amen. minds are clear by a show of hands just real quick is everyone in here saved if you ain't saved stand up everyone else sit down if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I want you to stay remain standing ain't this awesome look around look around look around There's a lot of people today that has a church that they're going to have five services and they've got 10,000 people in it and God bless them. I'm not knocking none of that. But I guarantee you the burden on every one of those pastors is this. I wish everyone in my congregation was saved. I could stand here today and according to y'all's profession right then, everyone in this congregation knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to pray. Don't forget, we got a gift for you right out here. Uh, Y'all pray for us this week. Y'all have a great Christmas uh, uh, as as family celebrating. Y'all going to need some prayer because y'all got some people coming in. Or y'all are going somewhere that (laughs) y'all glad it's only once a year. Can Can I? You didn't want the mic? Oh, that's you? That's you? Yeah. Yeah. So. So I'm going I'm to send some extra prayers up for you guys. Uh, everyone's got that uh, Uncle Eddie, right? <laughs> all right, all hearts minds are clear. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, a little over an uh, hour and a half ago or so, we asked you to show up and show out, Father, and I thank you for the Spirit of God that's in this place. Lord, I, I don't know if uh, a whole lot of churches today can look out over their congregation, and if you come... Right now, this place will be completely empty. That every one of us will be called up.
to heaven with you. And that's just, that's an honor, Father. I thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you uh, bless this Christmas season, Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, bless the people traveling, uh, going to and fro. Uh, bless the family time, Lord. Uh, I pray for opportunities to be a witness uh, of Jesus' uh, precious love for us, Lord. Let us stay in one accord. Let us focus on that this next year. Uh, Father God, uh, for that matter, this next week, uh, we'll, just, we'll just take it one day at a time. But we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.